0: Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title, killing
1: the game. Welcome into their episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. My name is Patrick Jones. I'm a former hitting coach in the Baltimore Orioles organization and now working with hitters in the private sector at my facility in Cincinnati, Ohio. In this week's episode, we have Bill Mosiello. Bill is currently the head baseball coach at the Ohio State University. He has a phenomenal track record of of having success in college baseball and professional baseball. He has coached or managed over 100 major league players, including 14 first-round draft picks, 28 MLB All-Stars, and three current managers. He's won conference championships in the SEC, Big 12, and Big West. He's made five trips to the College World Series in Omaha. He's coached over 30 All-Americans and six conference players of the year, and he's coached under three Hall of Fame head coaches. And in this episode, we're going to get to know Bill a little bit better. We're going to know his his coaching philosophy, some of the things that he believes in from an offensive standpoint. We get into recruiting, what he's looking for, what types of players he's looking for, not just from a, a physical standpoint, but from a makeup standpoint as well. Um, and then talk a little bit about his own um background as a coach and then who he learned from and who he looked up to so appreciate Bill for coming on um and We recorded this late wednesday night, and so uh, i think it's i think it's pretty cool that you know here you have a, a head coach who's he's willing to to come on and do something like this during the week um during the, you know middle of fall ball when they're re- very busy with that and recruiting. So appreciate Bill for doing this and uh, I'll put all of his contact info where you can follow him and the Ohio State University baseball program on um, on the show notes page so here we go with Bill Mosiello.
0: this is the future this is my time to
1: shine I put in the work and push the line. I'm holding my cram. I'm never back all right bill we're now live on the podcast I uh, appreciate you coming on today
0: Yep. Thanks for having me, Patrick.
1: So I was listening to a a podcast you were on earlier today, Brian Kane, his podcast. I've had him on the show too, and um, just diving into some of your own background. I mean, I think I've heard you say that you've coached at legitimately every level of the game except the major league level, and yet you know you were still part of staffs and spring training for the big leagues, and have coached ninety players, over ninety players who ended up making it to the major leagues, but. My my question is, is, you know, you've coached arguably the greatest player of all time, Mike Trout, when he was in the minor leagues. And so, you know what it takes from a physical standpoint, but what's, what's something that separates those guys that isn't, that's something that's not physical. Like what's something that they do that the average player doesn't do that has nothing to do with physical talent?
0: You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it sounds like it's coach speak or it's super corny, but like it's it's all so relevant at all levels. I mean, the superstar players that I've coached, they're better people than they are players. They're absolutely coachable. Their work ethic is they're relentless with their work ethic, but they're better people than they are players. And and it, and it really it goes such a long way to being a great teammate, to being a great player like I, I've you know, now I've been so fortunate. You mentioned that, you know, having 90 major leaguers. Now I'm at, now it's over the, over a hundred and I've been Jeez. super blessed and the number will keep going. And, and I've just been so fortunate, but all the special players that I've been around, they were special people. And I just, the correlation, you know, successfully is clues and, and none of it happened by accident. They're all super intelligent. They have great aptitude. They have that willingness to learn. Um, wh- what drives me crazy about hitters is I've had, hitters hitting 200 to 220 that always wanted to argue with me. And then I got guys that are hitting 300 to 400 in college and they don't ever say a word and they just say, yes, sir. And, and again, I, I realize that they may leave me thinking, Hey, this guy's crazy. doesn't know what he's talking about, but they were, they were coachable and they were respectful and they just, I never had problems with them. But yet some of the guys that are struggling that you would think, Hey, I'll do whatever you say. I'll hit with my, you know, I'll hit with a blindfold on, you know, on my knees, if you ask me to, they're they're wanting to fight a little bit. And I just don't think there's a coincidence that the guys that, that aren't as coachable don't have as much success, you know, and I, I just, all along, the things that I already know about great players, I learn every single time and it's just, it never the game will never change.
1: Yeah, it is interesting how the, the best players are, are always hungry and open to learning. And he, look back, even Michael Jordan, for example, was, pretty famous of, uh, forget the exact quote, but when he was with the dream team and he's like, I can't believe these guys are are over here and not going a hundred percent in practice. Like this is how, this is why I'm, <laughs> I have an advantage over everybody else. Cause I'm so hungry to learn and to grow. And that's, you know, the greatest of all time. So if he's saying that and doing that, what's that saying for everybody else? But I a hundred percent agree with you. It's like, why is it that the best players are so, you know, Mookie Betts is going out and looking for ways to get better in the off season and all these guys. And, and yet to your point, guys struggling and they aren't, they don't want to change anything. They don't want to do anything differently. I'm sure as a coach, that's got to be frustrating.
0: Yeah, it really is. And again, you know, I, and, I, and I, talk so much about it, but you know, a lot of it is they want to stay comfortable. You know I mean? Everybody wants to be comfortable, but, it, but unless you become uncomfortable, there is no growth, you know, and, and I've got a lot of corny sayings, and there's just different things, and but yeah, I just think sometimes the guys won't change because they don't feel comfortable. But like I try to tell them, I'm not comfortable watching you hit 200, nor <laughs> should you be comfortable watching it. So you know, and and I, you know, you laugh at that when when i said, but it's it's actually so true, and it's hilarious to me, and I just can't believe it. And it. Just it makes no sense to me. But again, that's what separates players, and and players have to separate themselves, and that's the way to, the way it goes.
1: I've heard you say that the, the biggest jump for players is not necessarily like college to professional baseball, but it's that high school to college transition, right? That's a mm-hmm. massive jump for them. And and what's what's something out there who players who are going to be listening to this, what's something that they can do right now in high school to help prepare them for that jump? Because it is tough and it's not just solely baseball. Like it's, you got to be able to balance academics and then get up, you know, time management everything. Is there anything that you think that you would advise them to be focusing on or working on right now to get them ready?
0: You know, urgency, having that urgency to know they've got to get better every day. And um, and, and again being being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And, you know, and, and a lot of that's not really their fault, you know, why the adjustment's so big is because the, you know they've been a big fish in a small pond for the for the most part not every kid but most of them and they played on travel teams where they were such special players that they were treated special and really what happens to me is once i get with them it's just like the first time you challenge them and get on them they look at you like you got three eyes and nobody's really coached them hard and 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 again sometimes the coaches it wasn't their fault they didn't notice that maybe they, their details weren't as important to them and, 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 and again, I think a lot of it's because they were great players and nobody wanted to hurt their feelings. And, and it, instead, they were actually enabling them. You know what I mean? Because like I, I challenged so many travel ball coaches and high school, high school coaches that man, when you're letting your, your star players get away with things, that's not going to happen in college. And there's a bunch of those guys here. So, and, and so some of the stuff for the high school kid is he's just going to have to be ready and, and just understand that like what he's getting ready to put himself into, like they've never done before all the successful collegiate programs. I mean, they're, they're demanding from their, their weights early 6am weights and all the different workouts and then the study hall and not missing classes classes and i mean it's all the same but these kids are coming from a world of, of people have of handed them things or it hasn't been very tough so these kids come into college they, they just have no idea you know they th- they may think they do but they really don't why
1: why did i have heard you say before that you learned so much about the game being in professional baseball like, why is it that you that you were able to learn so much in professional baseball versus all the years in college? I, mean, I know you've obviously learned a lot in college, too, but um, I, I was I used to coach in professional baseball, too. And I, it, it changed how I viewed hitting. It changed how I viewed player development and, and really everything. But I'm, I'm curious to hear what what you think.
0: Yeah. You know, for me, as you know, I'm still learning every day and and um, and I have a problem with players, too. When I tell them, hey, I'm in my 39th year as a coach and I'm still trying to learn and evolve daily. Why wouldn't they? Um, but really, the professional game, it was just an eye opener. Um, it, it, it gave me that real appreciation for how hard the game was. You know, here I am coaching the best players in the world. And yet, man, they're still making mistakes. So it gave you that at understanding that, that the college game, these are college kids doing the best they can, that it's not going to be that easy. Now I I don't accept that. You know what I mean? The fact like I, I'm going to demand, demand perfection. I'm still going to strive for it. But in my heart, I've got a lot of empathy and compassion for guys that aren't ready yet, but I I, I don't change. I'm still going to be hard charging and, and I'm you know trying to develop championship teams. So I'm going to hold them to a high, high standard, but yet inside I realized, man, this is in double A this, these guys would make mistakes. So obviously, obviously my 18, 19, year old freshman is gonna have a hard time let alone my 21 22 year old senior so it just gave a huge appreciation for the pro game and and you know playing 140 games on 148 days as a pro and that college kid that tells you he wants to be a pro that loves to play and you're like are you kidding me do you understand how hard the pro game is so it just man what an eye-opener just an appreciation for how hard it is and what it takes and Man, and, and there's just so much involved in the work ethic and the intelligence and the aptitude. And you know, you're playing the same teams over and over and which guys can adjust quicker and you know, and players are playing for their lives and you know, and, and you're having to release kids from a game that they've loved that that's all they've ever done is play baseball. So you had to, you learn that some compassion from that and, and like I said, empathy and and boy, those are hard things to take away. You know, maybe a 28, 30-year-old guy take the game away from him, tell him that he's going to be released and that obviously you have a 22-year-old that you have to release. Sometimes it was a high school sign. And and actually, it's what's formulated why I want to coach in college because I understand the importance of college and I, and I know it's the best route. And again, like you said, you know, I got to manage Mike Trout, who I consider the best player, you know, one of the best players that's ever played. And when it's all said and done, people might say he's the best. Um, but I still know they, they need to go to college. I still know, how hard the jump is and it's not just academically it's just to mature as a person and and do all those type of things to prepare yourself so that when you go out to be a professional you're as well-rounded as you possibly can because boy when you play professional baseball it's a man's game and the strong are going to survive and man there's just signing out of high school that doesn't teach you that because a lot of times by the time you figure out some of those things you're released you know so and the guys that actually already figure them out that's why they can move so fast um but that's so few and far between and and there's a reason that 51 percent of all 25 man rosters went to college you know that it's about 26 from other countries and 24 high school signs there's a reason for that and you know a lot of the pro scouts you like to try to convince a kid like hey the quicker you sign the quicker you go to the big leagues when the truth is the numbers already show you as soon as you step on college campus you're actually closer to the big leagues but people don't want to understand that and again i I still say, and I'm still on record of saying I like the pro game better than college just because it's 140 games. And man, you're always one day away from a 10 game win streak and obviously a 10 game losing streak, but you know, you don't have to fret about anything. And um, you just get to go to the ballpark every day and try to win games and develop players. And that's what I love to do. Um, It's just the college part is just like developing men and just trying to get them to become great, you know, uh, husbands to be and fathers and, you know, boyfriends at the time with their girlfriends and and just trying to teach them to be great men and great teammates. So that's, that's my joy in life.
1: It's interesting to hear you say that bill, because I, I, it's something that I thought of too, when I was in pro ball, where uh, I, I actually said this to go buddies. I was like, if I ever have a son and he ever plays baseball and is in the draft process, like I would never let him sign out of high school. I don't care how good he is because it's just a different level of of maturity. and i and I get it. There's definitely guys out there who can do it, but it's so rare and it's so hard. And I remember just sitting back uh, with another coach one day, and we were just watching the players um on the field and we, we were looking at each other was like, man, it's so easy to tell who were the college guys and who were the high school guys, because the college guys were hustling everywhere. The college guys were picking up the trash and the dugout and everything. The high school guys just walking around everywhere. And so I was like, man, this is just, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. Who's who here. And to your point, you're going to be starting at a higher level anyway, out of, out of, right out of college. You can make it to the in major leagues within a year or so, but um, going back to like the, the, the hitting side, who were, who were some of the, the people that you looked up to from a, a hitting standpoint um, early on in your coaching career?
0: Yeah. So two, of my, two of my all time favorite when I, you know, I I got to work with one, one of them in the Arizona fall league. And then one of them was in the Yankee organization with me and, and one his name was Kevin Long is the one. Um, and right now he's Philadelphia Phillies hitting coach. And, he was a really special guy, and, and uh, just the way he interacted with his players and the love he had for, his, for the craft. So he was a really special guy, and I got to spend a lot of time with him in spring trainings, and then he lived in Arizona just a couple blocks or a couple streets over in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. He lived out in Scottsdale, a little deeper drive in the backwoods of the 17 out there, so he was really special. And then a guy named John Maley, um, who's been with a lot of different clubs. I'm not sure where John is this year. But boy, he just had this great appetite for hitting and just a great personality. And and those were two of the really special guys. And everybody I've ever been around was special to me and I really paid great attention to them. But those two stood out to me. And again, and the funny thing was even that obviously they had great knowledge of the swing and, and, and the, the approach and all the things that are important, but they were better people than they were actually coaches. They had a great love for players. They had a super passion for the game. And, and that's always what I took away is, man, they had such great relationships with their players. And, and I do understand there's different roles for coaches. You know, when you're just a hitting coach, your job is to keep them is a feel good. And always keep up their spirits. You know, when you're a manager and running a team, sometimes you know, you have more discipline and you're doing certain things where the hitting coach doesn't have those kind of things you know but great hitting coach are aligned with the manager or the head coach depending on what level you're playing at um but but the personality and always making those players feel like a million dollars and and those two really stood out to me i've had so many great hitting coaches you know throughout my career that i've been around or talked to and million college coaches that i've learned so much from and a guy named jeff pickler who's now a, a a coach for the Cincinnati Reds um he, he's a he's he's their infield coach right now and and is sort of a almost like a bench coach um and with the with David Bell with the Reds but he he had some amazing hitting knowledge and I spent numerous hours and on in talking to him about hitting because I really believe in a lot of things that he that he believes in and he's taught me a lot so uh, I've been blessed throughout my career being around so many special guys
1: What what are some of the things that you believe in
0: Yeah, you know, I'm real big on, on, um, you know, and and keeping it, number one, as simplistic as possible. And it always starts with getting a good pitch to hit. You know, you're only as good as the pitches that you swing at. And and I'm a real big believer in, in, in situational baseball, understanding your situation, your job, and your job, you know, during that at bat and it's a pitch to pitch by pitch and I'm really huge on, on, on the way the body moves and getting into great hitting positions and the rhythm that you do and giving yourself a great opportunity to recognize pitches so I you know there's not one factor that's more important they're all super important to me. Um, but it really starts with getting a really good pitch to hit and and, uh, being on time to hit pitches um, and not, you know, and and then the deeper I get in talking about what great hitters do and what I believe in and what hopefully my offenses always do is they're not afraid to hit with two strikes. They don't, they're not, they're just never scared. They don't think they have to swing at every single first pitch and, you know, try to get out of the box as soon as possible. You know what I mean? And um, they have to have the ability to be on time to get first pitches and be ready to hit pitches at all times, but they're not afraid to take borderline pitches and, you know, and, And and if you want to get your slug up and and have more extra base hits, hits, you need to get quality pitches as opposed to just swinging at all strikes. You need to swing at strikes that you can do damage with. So there's so much involved in it. And it's just a day-by-day process of getting them to really understand you know what? What I think this, their approach should be, and 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 again, there's treating every hitter a little bit different, and and I have a huge appreciation now for there are certain things, and I and I know myself, like I have some weaknesses as a hitting coach. I'm not an awesome swing coach, um, and I'm trying to get better every day, and and I know that's an important part of being a hitting coach, but yet. The approach part is a huge part too. And I think to be a really special hitting coach, you need to mesh them both together. You have to be able to be a great swing coach and understand flaws and get guys in a good position to hit, but then have a good approach. And And I guess if I had to pick one or the other, I still think the approach and have an understanding how to compete and get good pitches to hit, but yet you, you've got to do both. And again, I, I, I've never been a great swing coach and I've been getting better every single day. And there's, you know, we're in such a great age. There's such an age right now where there's so many good guys out there teaching the swing and how the body moves. So in some aspects, it's it's fantastic. In other aspects, you know, there's some guys that are really hurting the game and the way that people are approaching. And I just think you need to mesh both of them. I think there's a place for both of them. Um, you know, I just, you know, I'm not a big Twitter guy, but I get so much sent to me in this this day and age of Twitter and all these hitting gurus that haven't really done much. And then there are some that are really good, but there's all, all this infighting. And, you know, I mean, it's really ridiculous how, you know, certain people, their presentation, some guys act like they already know it all and some guys don't. And so there, there's a huge mesh for all of us. The neat thing is that there's enough info out information out there for all of us that aspire to be great at what we're trying to do that we can give our players the best chance to have success and that's what this is about is that we always need to put our players first and understand it's all about them becoming the best version of themselves as a hitter
1: would, would you agree and this is something that i've noticed over the years is for players who improve their approach i've noticed that their mechanics actually improve and, and, can, and can get better as well too so i think i, mean, I
0: think yeah i but, think one hand washes the other i don't think you can have you know, before the other they they both go, go hand in hand. But the one thing I'm really having an appreciation for now is how the body moves. And I have some certain, like, I've, I've always been really good have a great understanding of what it looks like. And this is what I want guys to look like, but I can't identify flaws sometimes. Like, and just my mind just says, Hey man, you're not getting in good positions. What's going on, but I haven't been able to really help them. You know, one of those things, the worst thing that we do as coaches and I'm as guilty as anybody is like, we always tell you what's broke. But well, how do you fix it? The players want to know how to fix it, and I don't have all those answers. But I'm not afraid to look around and make other calls. And you know, an ironic thing for our staff right now here at Ohio State is Sean Allen, who's my pitching coach, is the best swing coach we have. Now, part of why he's here is I co when I coached against him when he was at Sam Houston State and then Tulane and then Texas. He was a hitting coach in those situations. And then they turned him into a pitching coach. And, you know, they had the best pitching staffs in the country for a few years. And he helped lead Texas to a couple of national, a uh, couple college world series in a row so he's got a great feel for baseball but i use him a ton here with our hitters because he has a great feel and all the things we speak the same language it's just he does a better job of really telling guys how to do certain things so part of our our scheduling every day is like we i have certain hitters in there earlier before his pitching day starts so he can be with the hitters so that again i i think it's important as a coach not to don't get your ego out of it, man. If somebody can help a, a player a little better then use him, you know? So like, that's, that's a super important thing. And again, man, I, I think uh, it's important for me that players have awareness of who they are as players and what they need to do better and who they are. And I think as a coach, if you don't have an awareness where you're some of your weaknesses are, where you can get better, man, I think you're a hypocrite if you're trying to always challenge them, but you don't challenge yourself. So And again, I've got a lot of holes in my coaching game, so I've got to get a lot better. And I'm running out of years to get better, so I need to get better fast.
1: That's pretty cool. I I mean, your pitching coach is also serves has some hitting experience, and so he's helping out the hitters as well. And would you say you you're in? So are you in charge of the entire offense as a whole?
0: Yeah, so I still, you know, I, I can't give that up. I, I I have some beliefs in an offensive system, and that has to do with, you know, not, obviously it starts with being a hitter, but running the bases and an approach and trying to have a high on base percentage as a club with a high slug and, and play really what I consider winning baseball and playing for each other and a lot of those type of things. So I do do that, and I'm involved with the hitters. But like I said, Sean does a lot of little individual things. And, and you know, during our coaches' meetings every day, uh, and Coach C, our recruiting coordinator, who's the assistant pitching coach, but he's recruiting – so much he's got a great feel for hitting also so we talk a ton about hitters and then we have plans going the next day and then buck taylor um who's my position player coach with me um he's got a great feel for hitting and uh and, and so we have a great group of guys and we're really talk amongst each other. Now, we, we have a, a great understanding. We don't get in the cages and, and four different guys are telling a hitter what to do. But we talk about what we're going to do. And and maybe it's like, hey, Sean, why don't you take over uh, Lipsy today? Why don't you talk about some of the things that we talked about? Or maybe Buck or, or Andrew. And, and again, they all know in my, <laughs> in my staff, they're all allowed to help and touch different players and talk to them. I just We're not going to do it in a confusing way. And, and the hitters will still basically know who the hitting coach is. But yet I want them to know that. And I, and I had to let them know that we got a lot of guys that are going to be helping you. you. know, They're not going to confuse you. We'll always talk. If there's ever something that we're going to make a big change with, we will already talk. And we'll talk about how we're going to present that to the hitter. And again, I'm just not one of those guys that says, oh, hey, don't you, don't you don't talk to these guys. They're not your guys. They're my hitters. And I don't believe in that. But I do understand how you can confuse them. And, and they need to have somebody to go to all the time. Um, but I want them to have great freedom to go to, go to whoever they think can help them the best.
1: Are you a big believer in in using machines when it comes to, like, hitting, or are you more so just, like, mixed BP, combination? Like, how how do you go about that?
0: Yeah, so I I guess I'm really huge at what I consider variability training. You know I mean? I I love everything. I'm a huge VLO guy. We have our breaking ball machines. I don't like to do a ton of of just one thing. Um, There is the Coach BP that's a feel-good. Um, but I I need to challenge them every day I'm a big believer that if your players are comfortable every day in the cages and everything they're doing from a swing standpoint then you're not doing a good job of challenging them because we know that hitting in the games is not easy so I just think it's important to do a little bit of everything and anything that's super difficult we'll do a lot more a lot less of them you know I mean like I'm not going to have you take 20 swings off this great breaking ball machine when you're having a tough time but they're going to be four rounds of four where you got to get your nose in there and compete and then get you maybe the next thing we're doing so and even with bats with axe bats and short bats and um uh there is an axe bat it's a barrel bat so it's a little heavier so i believe in in in, in rotating rounds with different bats um and uh so like i said i'm always evolving and I'm, I'm trying to get them being like i said a little little comfortable being uncomfortable i don't want them to always have to think they're swinging the same thing and i just think that's part of the training you know what what makes it tough for me is and it doesn't make it tough because I'm, I'm sold and, and, and all bought in on what we're doing. But, you know, I've had so many great hitters that we didn't use machines and we didn't do certain things. And, you know, I've got uh, Todd Helton's going to be a hall of fame hit hall of famer th- in this January. And that's actually the best true hitter that I've ever coached. And, and we didn't do these things. We did tons of front toss and BP and, you know, directional hitting and different things. So, There's been great hitters that didn't do some of that, but I just think now with the velocity, that's the one thing that I will admit. Pitchers do have better velocity now than ever. I think we all know that. So you need to be ready. And and all of a sudden now, 94, 95 doesn't even – it looks like it's the old 90, 91. So we do a lot of training off of that, and then I want them to hit tough breaking balls. So I'm a huge variability training guy in, in all aspects.
1: You think the college game is better now than it's ever been?
0: Um individual players and physical stuff, but I don't know if, if playing the, you know, again, maybe my mind just is wrapped around some of our Fullerton and teams and the way that some of our different teams played and man, we played such great baseball. Although it's, it's ironic that you ask that because when I look at some numbers and things and I'll find out that like, you know, that offense didn't play as good as you think they did. You know I mean? We thought we played perfect and, I, and maybe the fielding percentages, it wasn't even close to what I thought it was and got thrown out on the bases a lot more than I thought. So uh, I think, Baseball is great and it's great now. I think it's changed a little bit. and um, I believe the game's going to come back to where, what it used to be and, and we're going to want baseball players and it's not the all or nothing. And, you know, the strikeout, for some reason, has been glamorized the last whatever, eight years, which I still can't understand uh, the value of strikeouts for someone to ever try to tell me that it's, that it's okay to strike out. That's, that's crazy. Um, you know, so I do think some of that, I, I hope it's going to come back and, um, So, um, but there are some fantastic coaches and the parity around the country is amazing. That's one thing in college baseball, the parity all around the country and from cold weather states to warm weather. I mean, there's some fantastic programs and coaches and and it's only getting better. Um, But it's hard for me to really pin certain individual teams and decades and things. um, But um, but the game. When played right, it's played pretty well right now. I just think there's so many players, maybe nowadays, that don't know how to play the game as well because they're playing so many meaningless travel ball baseball games just to try to showcase themselves instead of playing to win. And and I think sometimes they don't understand the fundamentals of how to really play winning baseball. Um, They know how to play showcase baseball, and that's a fight that us college coaches have is getting guys in that can throw to the right base and run the bases at a high level. So I think that's definitely diminished a little bit.
1: So would you say base running is probably the number one thing that is lacking amongst players these days at at the high school level that are coming into college like when you say play winning baseball it is base running number one
0: Yeah and you know it might even be defense it's number one I just think there I think there's a huge important part of all of them um but I do think that's missed you know and again you know, just maybe in our batting practice, just step, stepping back on a line drive. I mean, like I'm out watching a travel ball game, you know, travel ball games, millions of them. And, and I might see, you know, 25 times in a, in a month, guys get doubled off on line drives. And, and nobody says a word to them because I know they don't practice it. So that's an important part. So I can already tell you the new guys in my program, the first few days, I'm going to be yelling a 100 million times that every time there's a line drive, they just take off. And and again, it's what I've just seen through all their travel ball games. And nobody's made that important. And um, you know baseball is a strange game to the point where everybody talks about it's a failure game you know I believe it's an opportunity game but I people make it it's okay to like get doubled up and oh, just baseball or to make base running mistakes when it's not okay and you know uh, you know I can't imagine Bill Belichick being a baseball coach and thinking it's okay to overthrow the cutoff man and, and uh, throw to the wrong base and not run the bases you know with intelligence so um, you know Uh, that's where I think some of the little things are maybe missed today. And I don't, sometimes I don't think coaches even notice that their players are doing wrong things and, and they definitely are letting them slide with it. So when they get to a place where it's really important to them, then they make a big deal about it and the players have a tough time reacting. And, you know, one of the things that that, that one of the things I will say is that players somehow today, they think whenever you coach them that you're criticizing them, but you're not. You're coaching them and they need to understand, like being told, to, hey, back this spot up or this is what you do on this play. It's not a criticism. They're getting they're being coached. And there are so few coaches that are challenging players out there. Um, that they, they, they just don't even know how to react. Now, again, there are tons of outlier coaches out there. They're doing a fantastic job, and I don't want to speak in general. There are some high school coaches that are absolutely fantastic and some travel ball coaches. But, man, there's a lot of them that are just you know collecting a paycheck and making sure the guys are happy and getting the other colleges to go to school so they can tell somebody, hey, I got, had 12 guys off my club last year going Division I or, or in some type of level because we know all levels are great. Um, but that that's probably the thing to me is just the players aren't challenged as much
1: you think that's just because like why do you think that is that coaches are just afraid to have hard conversations with players
0: I do I, I really I, you know, I think I think players are afraid to tell I mean I think coaches are afraid to tell players the truth you know what I mean I, I really do and I think sometimes they when they when a coach has a great player he doesn't want to man he's my great player I can't hurt his feelings and and again i believe just the opposite i think you're enabling him because if he goes to play college he's in for a rude awakening if he's trying to be a pro player he's got no chance because now he's playing for his life so uh, i just i don't know I, I don't really understand why coaches sometimes and again i i think i understand from a travel by travel ball situation is when they're charging such great money for them to play in their programs they they want everybody to say good things about them so they, they're afraid that some parents say, well, I don't like that coach, man. He always gets on my son and he always points out the things that he does wrong. You know what I mean? So I think they're afraid to do that again. I'm stereotyping and that's not all of them. There's some fantastic ones and it's important to me. I'll be honest. I recruit from some of the same programs because I want kids to come in here that have been coached, you know, and, um, and that's super important to me. That's why Moller high school. I, I hold in high regards here since I've been out here because men, coach coach held over there does an amazing job and he challenges guys and the guys that i've had from molar these last couple years really are into it they know what's going on and even from the weight room and and on and on and on so like i i like recruiting guys from winning programs where they've been coached up man because i want to give them a chance to be really good early
1: that's awesome yeah coach Held does a fantastic job there i I coached under him for a year and and played there too and Oh, that's um,
0: that's where you played, Patrick.
1: That's yeah, awesome. yeah, that's where I played there too. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was texting or messaging with uh, Clay Burdett, who's obviously up at Ohio State now, and he had nothing but great things to say about the program, um, which was awesome to hear because I know you know you guys you know new pretty new staff, and so I think around this whole state. People are kind of you know seeing like what you know what the new staff is like and this and that. And I was like, man, like I just go and ask the players and they'll tell me. And and, and Clay is like, man, he had nothing but just great things to say, which I I think is awesome, right? Well, you get you get guys in there who want to be there, work hard, and uh, you know I'm sure he's going to do really good things there. But when you're when you're out recruiting, looking for this some of these kids, and I know you said you know you're looking for you're you're going to a lot of the same programs because you want kids who are coached hard. Which again, for people out there listening, I I hope you. would really listened to that and saw um, and understood that but like what are you looking for from a, a an actual baseball player standpoint most maybe just specifically a, a position player um, because there's you know the, the metrics and this and that out there and I think at times we're too metric oriented um, but what are you looking for I don't want to put words in your mouth
0: yeah so I pay attention now the metrics and all they're they're fine and dandy and they're real and and i I, i'm gonna pay i'm gonna pay attention to everything out there but i'm looking for athletic i'm looking for athleticism i like guys that that can do everything i I like defenders if i had to take a big power guy over a baseball player athlete i'll take the athlete every single time i like guys that can play every facet of the game that are complete players that can you know that uh play defense can run the bases that give you tough at bats. So I'm looking for that first and foremost is athleticism and, and athletes and baseball players. And I'm trying to find a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm not good enough to take some raw athletic guy that has no feel on how to play and think I'm going to make him into a baseball player. Um, I'm going to take a guy that, that has a, a, a motor that doesn't stop, that plays his tail off, um, that I can see him interacting with teammates on a daily basis and that loves to play. And then, man, I, I've got some beliefs and techniques and things that we can teach guys, but it always going to start with an athletic baseball player that, that plays both sides of the baseball um you know i've just never bought into the deal where if you hit they'll find a position for you like, I, i don't buy into that. that that winning winning teams don't do that you know there's only one dh spot you know what i mean it's like if you're a baseball player um they'll find a spot for you and that that's the important thing. So all the great players i've been around with baseball players first and then obviously hitting is a huge part of being a baseball player and, and uh you know so that there, there's so much involved but i always want the all-around player as opposed to a guy that only can. Can do one thing
1: who's been somebody in your in your coaching career that you've like really looked up to like who's made the biggest impact on you from a coaching standpoint
0: you know i i hate when people ask me that because i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and i've had i've had no one's been more blessed than me to have as many mentors and great coaches it starts with me george horton uh the ex cal state fullerton coach that went to oregon um, you know, he he coached me in college. He's he was my mentor. He was the guy that gave me my first job as a 21 year old. I played with him just two years earlier than that, and uh, like he's my guy. My whole life was but the the Cerritos College, Cal State Fullerton way. That's how I grew up. That that was from him, and he hired me. So he was a huge pat, pat, part of me. And then Coach Bennett, who I played for at Fresno State. For a couple of years, like what an impact as a disciplinarian and just a baseball guy, and teaching you toughness and just refuse to give in, and that um, that there was a way that you had to do certain things a certain way, you know. And then and then getting to be with Jim Schlossnagel my nine years or eight years at eight years with him at, at TCU, like like he changed my life as a coach and empowered me and and showed me how much when you value someone, man, how much you can uh, you know how bet much better you can get it than Kirk Sardos. I. Am, me and Kirk were the assistants for Jim for the eight years and then Kirk became the head coach after he left for a year and I stayed with Kirk for one year to get him going and man what a special person Kirk was and what he's done for my life just him being a friend and his family and so those nine years at TCU they were life changers for me Um, and then Dave Serrano a childhood friend of mine and who's taken two different teams to the college world series. And so he, he was a life, you know, a friend of mine that grew up. So he was a humongous part of mine. And then, and then Andy Stankowitz, uh, my, uh, my best friend who was my best man at my wedding, we're from the same hometown and, and Serrano was from our hometown. So Andy's a, now the coach at university of Southern California. And we got to coach on the USA national team together and help win a gold with some great players. So like, I, I, The list goes on and on. I hate to even start mentioning people because then I'm going to not not mention other guys that I've been with. So um, but those are some just really special guys that come to mind that I that there's not a day that I wake up without thinking about them and and trying to make them proud because of all they poured in all the love they poured into me.
1: What, what are some of the things that you see younger coaches doing that, you know, maybe you try and help them out with from like a mentoring standpoint or like what what advice would you have for younger coaches, not necessarily who are like trying to, be, you know, go up the chain and, and go to a higher level per se, but just from a, a coaching standpoint, like what advice would you give them knowing what you know now after all these years coaching?
0: So so you know my, so my number one thing I'm really enamored by the intelligence of the young coaches you know I mean I love it I, I I'm I'm jealous that I'm not as smart as some of these guys. And I do love that they are they pay attention to the analytics and metrics and they're really good on their PowerPoints and they have amazing computer skills. But I but I, my, my one advice to them was they still need to understand that this is about serving players and that their relationships with the players are the first and foremost. The, the reason I've been coaching for 39 years is for my love of players um, and the passion that I have for my players and the game. And I just want them to understand it's great that you have great knowledge and that you can – you know, do anything you can off the computer, but you better love your players and let them know and, and get out there and grind it out with them. You know what I mean? And and, and, and and you don't need to show off with all, you know, tell them, hey, well, you're only, this is your launch angle, here's your exit. You know, yeah, no kidding. But let's get out from it and love them and let them know why you're there. And, man, and then with the great skills that they've learned and, and some of the things that help them get their jobs, um, man, if they'll love guys and do those things, the sky's the limit for them. But I think that's what they need to just understand that your relationship with your players and how you can handle your hey, your 12 hitters, your 16 hitters or your whole team if you're the head coach or if you're the pitching coach. Um, and I just think maybe that's lost a little bit of the love for players and, 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 and understanding what, you know, you know, why do you coach? And again, maybe they coach for different reasons than I do. You know, you know, people always, you know, you hear people talk about what's your why? Why do you, you know, what's your why? And I guess that would always be my why is just my love and passion for players. And, and you know, again, you know, my love and passion for players is coaching them hard and, and not wanting them to fall short and treating them just like I would my own three boys. You know, so I mean, that's important to me that like when their career's done, did I spill everything I had into them? you know so like i just think that's important but that'd be my biggest advice for young coaches is love your players that's more important than any great knowledge you have or any gadgets that you have as a coach love 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 spill your love out and hard work with them and uh, your rewards can be amazing
1: that's really good stuff yeah man that's that's deep I, i really i really like that is that something that you gravitated towards just really early on or did would one of your coaching mentors like give to you that advice too early on
0: yeah i'm I'm such a weirdo you know what I mean so i i all my favorite guys I have different personalities in them and they uh but I just paid attention i I did love players from day one but I was way too hard on them I just didn't understand i I was one of those players coaching coaches immediately. I, I knew I didn't I wasn't a great player. I was just an average player. I played on a couple great teams, but I wasn't a great player. So I never worried about them trying to reach me as a player. It was more of the hard work and discipline and love for the game and trying to fight them to match that I was able to do that. So way too tough on guys for my first whatever 10 to 10 to 12 years as a coach, but I still love them to death. And then I, I you know really you know I used to sort of be the guy like my way or the highway and if you can't love it as much as me then you're not worth, you know, then, then you're not one of my guys. Um, and so I lost a lot of players with that. i I, you know, I'm embarrassed that I handled some things like that. Now I had, a, I, even in my first 10 years as a coach, I coached so many awesome players, you know, first pick in the draft and, and, you know, and Todd Hilton's and R.A. Dickey's and Bubba Trammell's and all these really special players. And so I had great relationships with them, but that's because they were like-minded, but I lost some of the kids and I wish I could have it over again and find a way to get to their level and get them to understand why they think the way they do, or maybe why they don't work as hard. So I, I wish I could do that one over. I have a lot of uh, things that I, I would like to take back, but I, I had a love for players from day one. And my, my love for playing baseball was never, it was unmatched always. So I had a love to want to be a player. So, um, so that was easy for me, but um, love for players has always been, but I've learned to love them even more. And now I have more of the importance of like, man, them, you know, being elite students and what they're going to be out of baseball. And I've learned that about the last 15, 20 years of like, man, I'm really developing them them to have fantastic lives. So.
1: Yeah. That's interesting to, to hear you kind of talk about how, you know, you you like loved your players so so much early on and you coached them so hard that you feel like you lost a couple like lost some of them along the way do you think that that's just because you loved baseball and like more than they did
0: yeah and again I, I would like upset about it if they didn't if they can't match my love then why are you playing you know what I mean that's not guys play for different reasons and so yeah I just I just did a poor job and once in a while, I get lucky. Like you know, I, I, I'm in contact with so many players, or maybe another player reaches out, and there's like in your in your mind, you know, like man, I wish I could have these guys back, and. And, and some of them I'm like, man, I'm embarrassed, you know, such and such, man. I'm so sorry what I did. They're like, oh, it was the greatest time of my life, man. I, I do that to my kids now when I'm coaching. And I'm like, no, please, I've evolved. I hope you're evolving. You know what I mean? But like even some of the ones that I thought I'd really done a poor job with, they're still very grateful. Um, but I'm still sure there's some out there and that's why they haven't reached out to me that I that aren't grateful. So again, man, if I my, my, I want to be perfect and 100% doing the right things. And I know I'm not, but I still strive for that. So I know I've missed some that I, and again, just like I'm, I'm very self aware, I'm very apologetic for not doing things right. Uh, and I wish I could do things over again sometimes. But uh, again, my, the only mistakes I ever would have made is oh, loving a guy too much and just wanting them to be, you know, they were content with just being a really good player when I thought they could be a great player, you know. So, I like but again, that, huh? I, I still wish I could have some back.
1: Why Ohio State? Why 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 would someone want to go uh, go be go become a Buckeye and and play at at the Ohio State University? As I as we said before, I started we started recording. I'm in Cincinnati, went to Moeller, coached there, and so I'm well aware of, of Ohio State. Um, but for those out there listening, parents, players, like what's uh, what's different now about Ohio State program and like what what's your vision for it? Like why would they want to go there?
0: Yeah, you know, my vision for it, like, you know, they'd have to put me in a straight jacket if I told them the things that I really, uh, really, really think that we can do. And I've been super humbled. I came in, you know, throwing punches last year and talking a big game. And, and I, I, you know, went through what I consider a super tough season, only winning 31 games, going 31 and 25. And I'm very humbled and God's amazing. And Thank goodness he humbled me because if we'd won 50 games, I thought I could snap my fingers and we'd win 50 games and we were going to be in Omaha. And and, uh, man, if if it had gone really easy, then I would have thought this thing was easy. I was super humbled. I had some great kids in the program that did everything we asked and, um, we just weren't good enough and I didn't do a good enough job and I'm going to be a quick learner. So I'm making super quick adjustments. Um, but I was super humble now again we actually won 10 more games than the team did the year before and we finished on a 9 game win streak but what, I, what I'm used to and what I, my plans were, I mean, man, boy, was I humbled? But the reason Ohio State is this university is amazing. That's why I chose to come here. I've got a superstar staff that has had great experience and that are fantastic. They're even better people than they are coaches. So I, I've been really blessed to put some great people around the players and and uh, and and, I'm, and me personally with the players is just a love and passion and, and, uh, and refusing for them to fail on my watch. I mean, that's, that's super important. And, and I challenge recruits and the people come in. If you don't want to win a national championship um, or be a, be, a, be a great student and get your degree, then don't come here. Um, if you don't want to be a major league baseball player this isn't a good place for you you know what i mean because we're going to work so hard and we're going to develop everything we possibly can out of you to become the best player you possibly can so winning championships and developing winning players and getting degrees and it this place isn't for everybody the standard is the standard and i don't apologize for it so i'm looking for kids that are hungry that want to win that want to do great in everything they do you know excellence is our standard in everything that we do i want them to be great people um, you know, great sons, great boyfriends, great teammates. And, and I ask a lot and um, and there's enough out there and we're finding some great ones. And So I just think this is a place if you want to excel in everything you do, this is a great place. And this university speaks for itself. And um, we've got we've got great dreams and great visions. But again, I'm going to stop talking about that stuff. I'm just going to be very process oriented. And, and um, you know, I, I can't wait for us to continue our journey here
1: yeah impressive uh first year like you said we already won ten games uh, in the previous season before before you got there and um you know love love your your mindset, your energy um and obviously you know your just love for the game. I mean here we are, it's Wednesday night. we're recording this and and so i I just i I love uh talking with guys who just just love playing love coaching baseball, love talking baseball, and so appreciate you coming on bill and look forward to staying in touch.
0: Yeah, Patrick. Yep. Yeah. Love. Give me a call anytime. Love to have you down here at the ballpark soon so we can see you and you can watch us and hang out. And anytime I can have a, ch- a chance to spread the gospel of Ohio state baseball, I'm always for it. And, and I know how super blessed I am to be able to be the coach here at Ohio state. And I'm just lucky to be in the game of baseball. So thank you so much and have a great night.
1: Thank you.